All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. All right, quickly before we take our seats, let's declare the word of understanding that we normally declare. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. His word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. If you believe that that is your portion, give me an amen. Amen. And I declare, therefore, that that you will receive in the name of Jesus Christ. The word that is needed to clear the road, you know. Sometimes the road is obstructed. There's an instruction you need. There's an instruction you need. There may be um, a Red Sea in front of you. You need a word that says, take up your staff and divide the Red Sea. Sometimes the Jordan is in front of you. You need a, a, a word that will tell you to tell your priests to take the ark and step into the water. And the road will be clear. That you will receive today in the name of Jesus. Amen. For you, today will not just be another meeting. Amen. It will not just be another meeting. Amen. It's a meeting of instruction. Amen. It's a meeting of direction. Amen. It's a meeting of clarity. Amen. It's a meeting by which a specific word needed to clear the road will come to you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you greet somebody on your left and your right? Every person, congratulations. Wisdom is your portion. God is lifting you up. God is lifting you up. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now let's continue teaching and then we'll pray. Uh, we've been talking about overcoming the devil's schemes. And that's what we want to continue um, concerning. Uh, we've already established the fact that Satan only has schemes. Many times we Christians, we preachers especially, we unconsciously pass into the hearts of the people of God that he has a lot of power. But I want to say to you again, he only has schemes. He doesn't deal with power per se. He deals with schemes. What I mean by schemes? Tricks, devices. There are methods, methods that he will use to try and get his results. He doesn't have that kind of power that makes it necessary for us to be fighting him the way we often do. He does not have the power in himself to stop anybody's progress. He does not have the power in himself to stop anybody's prosperity. He does not have the power in himself to decide that somebody will not go forward. Don't ever forget it. Life is not a mixture of God's influence and the devil's influence as if they have two, uh, two powerful people are fighting. It's not like that at all. There is only one God. Do you understand that? Yes, you must understand it. And that was why people could run, they could live life those days and not be aware there was such a, an individual. That was why Abraham could live and not know Satan existed. That was why Isaac could live and not know he existed. Jacob did not, he didn't pray about him, did not have to deal with him. All right? What did each person have to deal with? They had to deal with their obedience to the word of God. Don't ever forget that. That's why it can be resisted. And if you see every time the Bible says that you should resist Satan, what it says to you is to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You can't resist Satan by shouting to Satan, I resist you. 
You don't resist Satan by looking at him and say, look, let's fight. No. The way you resist Satan is that you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That submission to God is automatically resistance to Satan. Submit to God, you resist Satan. Do you get my point? It is not possible for anybody who is not actively submitting himself or herself to God to be resisting the devil. You are, you are not doing that. You are playing. You are actually falling for him on a daily basis. You just don't realize it. Don't ever forget it. It's not possible for somebody to say, I'm resisting the devil. And he's not actively you know, submitting to God. The fact is that how you resist Satan is by submitting to God. If you want to resist Satan, you know, people will pray, Satan, I'm tired. You can't come into my home. Look, that shouting is just to vent your emotion. Are you getting my point? It's just emotion. It's emotion. You're just shouting. If you really want to resist him, go and pick the word of God. And base that home with God's word. Take the word of God and make it the standard by which everything is done. Submit yourself to God. If you're a man, there are things he says you should do in that home. If you're a woman, there are things he says you should do. I'm not saying they might feel easy. They will always feel easy. They might actually feel hard. That is how you now resist Satan. So let's not forget it. It is schemes that Satan has. So what we do when we want to resist him is to submit to God and then he will flee. You understand my point? He goes around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. Who you resist how? Steadfast in your faith. So it is steadfastness of faith that resists the devil. It's not by sitting, say, shouting, devil, devil, it's a waste of time prayer. Let's never forget that. That prayer is a waste of time. You spend hours addressing the devil, addressing the devil. You are not addressing yourself. You are not addressing your own obedience to God. You are not addressing your way, yourself concerning how you are ordering your ways. You are wasting time. I need to tell you, many people have wasted a lot of time. Many Christians, and we are still wasting a lot of time. Don't forget that there are three main areas that Satan has his power. The ability to tempt, God grants that to him. So he goes around looking for whom he might tempt. That's how he divorced people. He came to the garden looking for whom he might devour. That's what the Bible says. He goes around looking for who he might devour. How did he devour um, Eve? It's through temptation. It's not, ah, I'm going to kill you. I got you alone. Your husband is not here. That's not what happened. It has God really said. So he tempts. He deceives. We talked about that. As far as part of temptation, making you believe that which is not true. And then he, having done that, he now accuses if you fall for his temptation, he becomes your accuser. And we said it before, God has a duty as a just God to listen to the devil. When he's operating what the Bible calls Satan, that's a satanic office, an accuser of the brethren. If you don't want him to accuse you, you don't fall for his temptations. Now let me just say something. He can never wrongly really get anything against you from God. But he can accuse you wrongly to yourself. That's actually nothing but deception. Many people have believed, oh God, this is so painful. Many people have believed lies of the devil concerning where security is. So they leave the place where God kept them, they go somewhere else because they don't have the confidence or faith to stay where God kept them. That's what we mean. Those are the, those are the things that Satan does. Is that those deceptions, that's the power he has. Are you getting my point? So when we want to resist, of course, last of all, he gets the power of death only when God has declared judgment against the individual. Is a just God. So what we are talking about, how to overcome his schemes, for some time we will now be speaking about, of course the first power he has is that of what? Temptation. 
So we do what? Resist the temptation. We spend energy spiritually resisting his temptation, that is, by submitting ourselves to God. Not by shouting, Satan, I resist you. When he came to Jesus, what did Jesus say to him? It is written. He kept on humbling himself under the mighty power, the mighty word of God. Let me just adapt it like that. The word of God, he kept on, you know, humbling himself under it. It is written. It is written. It is written. It's what is written that he made sure he was walking by. And that was what resisted Satan. And Satan did not now. You see some, where I'm going to go into today. All right? I'll get to that in a moment. So last time we explained, that's why we need to pray. Lead us not into what? Temptation. It's a prayer. If it was not important, why would the Lord Jesus teach us to pray it? It must have been something that was important. That was why he taught us to pray. Lead us not into temptation. And all of us must remember to pray that prayer. Listen to this. Every phase in life has its temptations. Everything God is doing in your life has its temptations. As God is blessing you, temptation comes with it. Let me say that again. As God is blessing you, you know what happens? Temptations come with it. Every, <laughs> everything in life has its own temptations. If you are single, he has his temptations. Then you think, well, you my temptation will go away. Yes, one area will go away, another set will join. That's the way it works. If you are poor, it has its temptations. When you are poor, the Bible says temptation is what? Stealing. There are different ways to steal. Let's not talk about it now. You won't carry a gun. Some people do that, they carry a gun, right? Some people really steal. But there are other technical ways of stealing, which is a result of poverty. Let me tell you. You go and buy what you cannot afford. <laughs> and I'll be owing the person you bought from. According to David Paulson, it is stealing. I didn't mention your name. You're feeling guilty where you are sitting. You say, I didn't have money. That's why I told you. Poverty, the temptation of poverty is what? Stealing. The fact that you didn't have money doesn't mean it's not stealing. So I actively resist that by making sure I learn contentment. Contentment is not just a state of mind. It's also an art. There's a trick. There's a technique for contentment. There are places you just don't go. Just don't leave your house. That way you save money on transportation up and down. You go and pray, Lord, give me the ability to say no. This is my assurance. Be no. Well, no. What the things that you've said no. There are churches you join so you don't have to buy jewelry. You don't believe their doctrine, but it's convenient for now. <laughs> and they come to your office, buy gold. Ah, you know, our church. We don't wear gold. Oh, is everybody harassing your life that you must do an expensive wedding? Six, five, three months before the wedding, you join some churches where nobody's going to make any noise. Of course, they, they, they think, ah, church is growing. No, you are using them for this phase of life. All your friends will come. Everything will be done small. You won't owe anybody. That doesn't mean your marriage won't be happy. I see people postponing wedding because of money. Rubbish. It is forbidden that you should postpone a wedding because of money. I heard of one man, he looked at money, said, you think I won't marry? Just watch me. Our good friend, Pastor Courage, was the one that organized the wedding for him those days when he was in Benin. 
Now, don't laugh what I'm about to tell you, because it really happened. Although the 22,000 at that time had more value than today, but it was still 2,000. He said, this is all I have, 2,000. Let's go and do wedding. As for those who are coming, I have no entertainment for anybody. <laughs> Eat before you come. He didn't buy a ring. He borrowed. Just look, please. Can you buy your wedding? They borrowed wedding ring here. Borrowed wedding ring here. Who give it? It just after that, he returned to the owner. <laughs> he said, how can money keep him like this? Let me just say something to you. I'm going to talk about that today. It's our school of prayer. We're going to pray. There are answers God will not give to your prayers. There are prayers the Lord will not answer. Because he said you have not gotten the point. Then you are saying to God, do this. Of course, you don't understand. I won't do it. I want you to cross that hurdle in life without it. I'm telling you the truth. There are some things God says, do it first. Then I will, answer, I will answer you. If you don't do this, okay, let's use that wedding day as an example. <laughs> I'm going to say, ah, look, you are, you are a man. It's time to marry you. Look, there are good women that will agree to marry you. But you are waiting till you become rich. So God says, your prosperity is on suspension. Pray from now till, like we say, till tomorrow. I'm not going to do anything about it. Why? Because you see, not only have you believed a lie, now God is concerned about a number of things. One, what you believe. Two, what you are going to teach the next generation. He said, I need to knock this madness from your head. Seriously. It's called yielding. Say this little one. So this, 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 when you live, this when you live and get a good wife. Somebody will be able to see beyond the confusion that money will create around you. That's how the Lord behaves. I'm telling you, I'm not lying about it. So it keeps some people in suspension. Listen to me. Anytime you are in suspension and area in life and you have prayed, let me tell you something. God answers prayers. That's one thing I've learned again in recent times. He does. He answers prayers. If we pray to him in sincerity, he answers. So if he appears like he's not answering, Forget your grandmother. She's not the witch. You know, we've been saying that again and again here. They can't do anything. What you need to do is sit down. That's why that is what they call fasting. You will sit down one weekend, take a week off, and pray and say, Lord, talk to me. Where do I need to make my adjustment? That is, even there are things I've been praying about, you know, personally, ministry wise, and all of that, especially ministry wise. Well, just a few days ago, I realized that, Banky, do you realize that this, this principle applies to this matter too? Why do you think it's only when it's your personal matter, when it's ministry matter, God owes you a responsibility to just what he has to do? No. The other is make your personal, that make your ministry adjustments too, so I can release some things. That, that is how he does. There are times he just says, listen, this one you are praying, I'm not going to answer you. Why won't I answer you? You say that until you become a millionaire, you don't marry. Fine. You will never be. I have 10 hundred million thousand billions for you. I ain't giving you one. Because you are going to teach the next generation lies. What I've told you is the word of God. Many, listen, many times that's what's keeping us where we are. Because we tied some things together. God said, listen, I want to explain to you that life, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of that which he possesses. Learn it. Learn it too. Otherwise, I leave you on that spot for a very long time. For us believers, it's spiritual lessons that we are learning in this life. Anything that's not teaching you anything, God is not interested in it. 
marriage teaches, having children teaches, working teaches, everything we are doing, we are learning. Please, let's not forget it. Satan cannot, he can't hold you down by himself. It is what we do or refuse to do that's, that's responsible for lack of motion. So when we are praying, therefore, our prayer is focused on us. Lord, help me. Teach me. What am I supposed to do? That's how we resist the devil. Let's bear that in mind. Very, very important. Okay? Now, let me just leave that. So, that, so we'll be looking at that, explaining this principle that we pray, lead us not into temptation. Deliver me from doing that which is wrong. Life has pressures. Deliver me from falling for the pressures of life. Deliver me from the things that I will do that, you know, I like the way David said it. You know, how did he say it? Deliver me from presumptuous sins and errors that I don't understand. Are you getting my point? Those prayers are there. You know, I, I think, I was thinking about it just before coming in here this evening. I think one of the major problems, mistakes we made as uh, Word of Faith people those days was that we took, we took a lot of praying and threw them away, thinking, I just, just know the word. Once you just know the word. And many people knew the word and nothing happened. Why? Because if Jesus prayed to get victory in some things, who are you not to? I hope you are getting my, what I'm going to say here. I found out a major thing that we, the, the word does for us is to give us what to say when we go to God in prayers. It teaches us the method of approach to the Father. That this is how you approach Him. Are you getting my point? When you come to pray, you ask based on promises He has made. He's the one that will fulfill the promises. The promises don't fulfill themselves. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Promises don't fulfill themselves. God the Father fulfills promises. So when we find the promises, we take them to Him in what? In prayer. That's what I'm going to explain. So one of the major mistakes we made was we didn't combine the two. People just filled their heads with knowledge. And with the knowledge they were filling their heads with, they wanted to walk parallel to God the Father. They wanted to do their own thing, make up their mind what they want, want in life, and then use the word to produce it. I don't know whether you get my point. The word now becomes a method by which they've satisfied their own desires, rather than a method by which we fulfill the desire of God the Father. So that's why we take the word to God in prayer. It's a promise, the promise goes to him. That's why David will pray prayers like this. Revive me according to your word. The reward doesn't just revive. God revives according to the promise that he made. Please, I hope you are following that point. God revives us according to his own promise. So we take the word of God to prayer. When it comes to walking in righteousness also, we do the same thing. Jesus, that was how he did it. And he taught us to draw near to the throne of grace. And obtain what? Mercy. And find grace. Grace is divine ability to help in the time of need. Grace is the reason why Daniel will still pray, even though somebody is threatening him with the lion's den. Grace is the reason why Daniel would not be afraid of that edict by the king. Grace is the reason why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will see the burning furnace heated up seven times. They still will not bow. It's not strength. No human being has that kind of strength. It's grace. Now, I was saying, so every phase in life has what? It's temptations. Every blessing comes with its own temptations. Don't forget it. So what do you do? One of the wise things in life, because we're talking about praying against temptation, all right, 
is to locate and understand the temptations of each phase of life, each blessing in life. Let me give an example. Solomon said that he that cleaves wood, how did he say it again? Will be hurt by it. That is, if you are one that your job is to cut trees down, it may fall on you. He said, he that breaks walls, a salmon may bite him. So naturally, what you do, if you know that, we're speaking of natural play now, if you are going to be biting, breaking walls, you wear, you get um, long rubber boots, wear long rubber gloves, and have a big knife around, apart from your, the one you're using. To, so if a snake shows up, you bring out your knife and attack, you know? <laughs> that is on the natural plane. Okay? Now, what that means is that every profession has its own temptation. So, let me use preaching as an example. It's the best example. Preachers are very powerful people. They are some of the most powerful human beings on the earth. I hope you know that. Yeah, they are. They're very, very, very powerful. Preachers, now, let's not, I'm not talking about Christians alone, now, preachers. Preachers can preach. Tell everybody, go out and go and kill people. And they'll go out and start killing people. And they won't know why they're doing it. Anybody that speaks and other people settle down to listen is a powerful person. And for that reason, if you are going into that kind of office, you are a Christian preacher. Let's, let's, let's stick with that. The temptation is to make people do your own desires rather than the desires of God. And it starts with good desires. No, you won't start with bad things. You won't start with bad things. When you want to start abusing your power, it will be with good things. It's Satan setting you up. You'll be getting results. Too. They will say, oh, we need money for the crusade. This is no crusade. I will t- I've heard a preacher say it. He said, what are you talking about money? Say, what are we doing with the money? It's not to build the house of God. Good people, their temptation is really good things. Satan is very smart. When he wanted to tempt Jesus, he didn't bring all the fine girls in uh, Jerusalem. When he wanted to tempt Jesus, is if you jump down from here, they will see your power. They will believe in you. Just jump down. Is not written that if you jump down, nothing will happen. It was called tempting the Lord thy God, but it gave him a good reason to do it. Bow and worship me. What was the reason? You, want, you came to save the world. If I gave you the whole world, you just save them like this. Fear. They are saved. It, listen, good people are tempted with good things. You won't just get up in the morning and start. You tempt a righteous man with a horrible thing. No, you don't kill. As you are sitting down now, somebody says you are broke. You are very broke. Now gives you a gun. Go and shoot somebody. I pay you one million. Is that temptation? Some temptations are those for those who are already shooting people. Yeah. <laughs> they are trying to repent. <laughs> so you now go and give them a gun. Shoot another person. Say, after now, I won't shoot anybody again. <laughs> then he dies in the process. And you now go to hell. <laughs> But good people, nobody tempts you with that. Nobody tempts you with that. You now come to church and say, all right, you know, start preaching for that crusade. And I say, um, as I was coming this morning, the Lord began to speak to me and he said that there are about 50 people in this church today that he wants to write their name eternally in gold. <laughs> You've heard it before. <laughs> After tonight, your name is going to be in heaven in gold. And when God is looking in the morning, when he wakes up from his bed... God that does not sleep or slumber. You know when you start... <laughs> so that's, that's it. We start telling stories. Why? For a good thing. You, you don't want the money for yourself. Start telling people, say, all right, your name is going to be written in gold if you just 
How many people do give five million? So giving five million gold, your name, you, that money you buy your gold in heaven. You start telling lies for a good cause. That is how it starts. Then from there, once you've started, you have started. Five years down the line, we won't recognize you again. And you'll be so blinded. You now say, I, <laughs> I have a gift <laughs> to raise money. Do people have such gifts? Yes. Some people do. But what, how you know is that they don't lie. People that have gifts of such things, if they actually stand up and just say, brethren, well, we have a need. Something great is happening in town. We all know about the crusade. So, at the end of today, as God has blessed you, please come forward. See, see, uh, Susan, so pressing. Let's know how much you are giving towards the project. Total cost has been estimated to be about 15 million. Please, we want to raise before the end of the week. If you really have the grace, just making those few sentences, you get 18 million. If you have to be talking and talking and talking, you ain't got the grace. You are pretending. Are you getting my point? Now, please see where I'm going. So that's the power that people who preach have. So that's their temptation. Everything in life has its temptations. So one of the things you do is to identify the temptations and pray about them. This is because my wife yesterday, when realizing things that happen in the church and all of that, I said, sometimes when I see those things, they scare me. That is, I see a preacher, maybe I follow the preacher for some time, and then you see a man start deviating. Before I used to get angry, at a point in time I started getting scared. The proportion of deviation was so great. Thank God for a man like Kenneth Higgin. He stayed. He's one person that God used to give me encouragement that nobody can stay. There are other people also, just that it's one person we all know. So it became a prayer point. Are you getting my point? Because what happens is that when you become very influential, you think you can change the country with your, you know, instead of going out preaching the word of God, you want to be preaching politics. So we have found out that um, the president, they will be telling people how to vote. When you start like that, you have left your work. I hope you get my point. You've left your calling. You are abusing your office. And those who do it, a lot of times they do it with good intention. Good intention. There's one preacher, some the other day, shouting, PVC, this head of state, on the pulpit. When you see his face, it's what he has seen. Are you getting my point? He's angry. People have been killed. Relatives have been killed. And he feels that he needs to get the current head of state out of office for it to stop. And God has given him the platform. His anger provoked him. He's not a bad man. He's a good man. But it's pain. And I saw him talk in the video. You remember the video? It's pain. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's pain. But no matter the pain, it's still not the work of God. So how do you overcome such pains, all right, that will make you start doing things that are wrong? It's prayer ahead of time. That's what I'm going to explain. It's prayer ahead of time. Lead us not into what? Temptation. Deliver us from doing the evil of that phase of life or that blessing of life. Kings have their own temptations too. You want to enter into office. You know what God said to uh, Israel? That the thing about kings is that they tend to multiply horses. They multiply wealth. They multiply wives. They multiply a lot of things. What do we do so that if we are becoming kings, before we go in there, we pray. 
if your church member, a brother, a Christian, you know, becomes a, let's say, the governor of your state, you are a sinner. You are a sinner and walking on the side of Satan. If you go to him and congratulate him, and you are happy that it's our time, you are of the devil. You have been recruited by the devil from the camp of your father. He said, what should we do? You go and meet him and say, ah, Emeka, you are not the governor. Well, sorry, we will be praying for you. <laughs> that, that is a, that's a Christian response. We will be praying for you. Are you sure you are going to be sleeping? Let me give you advice. Take, we are going to, okay, you know what? Ten of us are coming together. We will form a chat group. Hmm? Four years, you are our, you are our assignment. So every day, let us know. We promise you will never tell anybody what, is, what you tell us. We'll be praying for you. But if you start rejoicing, ah, praise God, it's our time. Our man is now in power. That's why the country won't go forward, under even Christians. If I say this, surprise some people. If you want God to answer your prayers, you know one of the things you tell him? Say, Brother Mecca, the ten of us that I'm talking about, we have promised we will never ask you for a favor. Be in office for eight years, we will never ask you for a favor. If you come to your office, we will not eat. Nothing wrong with eating in your friend's office. But we have just made up our minds that so that we can pray for you effectively, we will not benefit anything from your government. If we want to build a house, we won't let you know. Even if we have troubles, we will not call upon your influence to solve it. We won't call you. No, 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 no. no. Because if we do, how can we pray for you with an open heart? We can't pray for you with open hearts if we do. So we're going to stay away. All we do is just be praying for you. If we come and visit you, we'll just watch out. There's oil in our pocket. As soon as everybody, you will need that, we'll point on you. This is the one that we brought from, brought from Mountain Tabora. Which mountain do they go to pray? <laughs> we prayed for you. After praying, we said we can't tell you everything. We pray. Let's pour the oil. We'll pour the oil on your head and we'll walk away. I'm very serious about that. Listen, until you are, we are ready to have Christians that will do this, I'm saying. All this our preaching is, non, is nonsense. I know what I'm telling you. I'm, I, I, let me repeat it. Until we have Christians who are ready to do what I have said, all our preaching is going to, not going to have any effect. All our praying won't have any effect. If you are still rejoicing that your person is now the one in power, and you are rejoicing is in it's time to get contracts and get this, your prayers have been wasted. Your prayers have been wasted. So, that's what we do with prayers. To resist temptation. Listen to me. Because that is how we overcome the schemes of the devil. The devil knows he doesn't have power. Are you getting my point? Let me get to my message for today. Because if I continue like this, I'll keep on repeating things that I have said before. Even though we are laying more emphasis on it. Let's read two portions of the scriptures. First of all, let's read John chapter 14. It's something we know, just feel like um, quoting it. The book of John chapter 14. We need to learn to pray effectively. The Bible says, In the days of the flesh, he prayed with much tears to him that's able to save him from death. And he was heard in that what? He feared. He was heard in that he feared. He understood the consequences of disobeying God. That's the fear in it. He understood that if I go against the will of God, I will have scored a lot of things. 
And I want you to understand, people of God, listen to this. Fear also. What did I say? Fear also. Also fear. There are two kinds of fears I want you to have. Fear him because if you disobey me, we punish you. And that's not common faith preaching. But this is the truth. If you walk in disobedience, you will suffer the consequences. Fear that one. There's something my wife says a lot. If sometimes we are discussing these things, maybe we are in the house or watching TV or you are seeing preachers taking the name of the Lord for, you know, anyhow, using it for all kinds of things, playing with God's word. My wife will say, don't they fear God? Say, is it that these people don't fear God? And the truth is that they don't fear God. That's why they do behave like that. And I want you to fear. If you're a preacher, be afraid. Let me tell you the truth. Listen. Some people won't say it to you. I'll say it. Listen. If you keep on misbehaving, God will have to kill you. And you wouldn't be the first. He does that to preachers. I have read enough, observed enough to know that he does it. So have it in mind that, ah, God. <laughs> you know, I say joking a lot when I'm preaching. I say, I beg. His <laughs> place let another take. Say his wife, another man. I said, that's the one that pains me most. I say it jokingly, but <laughs> jokes apart, I am serious. So you try to finish lying with God's word. Somebody will now marry my wife. Is it good? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of jealousy. I'm a jealous God. I'm the son of a jealous God. It's a small bit. On that side. I want to marry my wife by myself. And now all I'm going to say, you see, God makes such threats and he carries them out. So anytime you're handing his word, bear that in mind. I know people say that you don't walk in, live in fear. Just obey. You won't have to live in fear. That's what I'm saying. So that you don't live in fear. Just obey. That's what we are saying. That is the first fear I want you to have. Please have it. He said, the Bible, the Bible says, let the Lord be your dread. People have tried to explain to me, fearing God, it means the fear of glory. You know, we start inventing words that have no meaning. What's the meaning of the fear of glory? Same as reverential fear. It means you want to, I mean, his presence creates an awe in you. Is it Michael Jackson? <laughs> Do you understand my point? What kind of awe is that one? When John saw him, he felt as if he was what? Dead. Let's not go over that one again. Number one, that's the kind of prayer. But the second one I want you to understand is this. Now, listen to this one carefully. This is the one that's actually most important I want to explain for today. That is the fear today. It's just like Jesus. It was heard in that he feared. Now, I believe that. This is the understanding I have. One of the reasons, one of the things that happened to his own fear is this. Imagine, let's just take a natural plane. A plan you have made for just a few thousands of years that the father made. Is hanging on one person. I don't know whether you are getting my point. It's hanging on him. The reason why Abraham was called. In fact, listen, if I say this to surprise many people, the reason why Adam was created, this is the reason. The reason why Abraham was called, this is the reason. The reason why Jacob was separated, this is the reason. The reason why Israel went through everything he went through until that particular point, this is the reason. The reason why angels were falling up on themselves, rejoicing when Mary gave birth, this is the reason. You are getting what I'm saying? The reason why many things have happened, this is the reason. And yet, if he sinned once, everything is spoiled. <laughs> Do you get my point? So, that kind of fear, 
Because the lamb that was going to go to the cross was not allowed to offer a sacrifice for his own sins. So he had to keep in line every second of the day. I hope you get my point. Until he will hit the cross. I think that is a fearful thing. You don't want to be the one that spoils everything. And listen to me. If you live your own life recklessly, there are things that God wants to bring into this earth that will never come. And that's not a joke. One of the things I bear in mind, God helping me all the time is, everything I do, every single thing affects my children. I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying. It does. Every single thing. So that one alone scares me. It does. What I do is, look, why? Because they are called children. What I'm doing is affecting my children. So, I, for their sake alone, I am careful. Some people want to use prayer to disobey God and get good results. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. What I do with my tongue, with my time, how I walk in righteousness, how I, it's affecting them. I, I hope you're getting my point here. <laughs> you know, another, I'm giving myself an example. I also understand. Do you know, sometimes I think about it, you know, goose people just come on your body. I just imagine if I did something like this, I say, what will happen to those who have been listening to me? What am I doing to their faith? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Hey, come on. I just say, no. No, 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 no. My life is making a statement to people. <laughs> there are people, one for the wrote to me one day, he heard me on radio say, you know, I was just saying as a humble man, you know what I'm mean, saying, that I'm not 100% correct. There must be things that I think that are wrong. The guy panicked. He said, sir, how can you say that? I obey everything you say. There is nothing you say I don't obey, I don't believe. How can you now say that you're not 100% correct? The guy wrote a mail, panic. Ah, I was, I was trying to be humble, but I'm not God. And I'm not even the Pope. At this, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just Banky. The guy wrote a mail that, like, I should identify from him the things that are wrong so that he can remove those ones. Because everything that I have said, he has believed, he has obeyed. I had to nicely explain that. No, 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 I'm not saying I'm wrong. I'm just trying to, you know, I say, you have to open your heart. You know, I don't know. It, it was with wisdom I had to reply. I would just, that's on radio. What versus what? I showed up that, you know, it's talking all this. And he was listening. And he heard me say that it is possible I have said something that's not correct. Ah. My brother, for the sake of such people, I will never say anything that I'm not 100% convinced is right. Let it be if I made a mistake, it's an honest mistake. Are you getting my point? Don't that I will not say that uh, Israel and Okimuti made up their minds that we needed money to expand the ministry. And I say you can open heaven by doing something silly, like stealing from your father and bringing it to church. You know that such a man will go and steal from his father and bring it, and then God will not punish him. He will punish him small, small flogging. But Banky, 
One of the things that the Lord Jesus said is that when you cause these ones to stumble, that it's better that they took you, hung a millstone, and then threw into the water. You just drown on your own. Can you imagine that you make people following you stumble is worse than that what you will suffer is worse than they carry your neck and tie it to a stone and throw it into the water. That is the kind of fear you need. We need to fear in that area. Realize that with all this noise we are talking about, raising government, criticizing government, government is not the problem. You know who the problem is? Me and you. So there are things that are not working because you will not do what you are supposed to do right. Now listen to me, people of God. It is through us that the Lord introduces the right spirit into the environment. There are times you want to participate in corruption. And don't ever forget, temptations are called temptations because they are tempting. And good people are usually tempted with that which is good. So there are times, you know, you realize, God is saying this, I know it is tight, but if you do this, for the excuses you have given, I'm not angry with you as in punishing you, but just know that corruption in your country will last another 10 years. Why? The spirit of righteousness is coming into the land through you and some people like you, and you are not many. I want you to understand that. You are not many. Once my wife and I, you know, after we get, I, mean, I thank God for all the testimonies many of you share with me, you know, stuff like that. We get emails. So one day I was sharing with my wife. I said, sweetheart, do you realize we could have said no to this work? We could have decided that we too, we need money. We could have decided. I mean, I came from Lagos. I did my postgraduates in Lagos. I didn't have to come to Enugu. When my wife started working in UBA that time, when they wanted to post them, it was after she got a job in UBA, after we got married, the question, where do you want to go? It was a question. And we knew, we knew one of the senior managers in UBA. She would have said, okay, I want to stay in Lagos. They'll fix her in a branch in Lagos. But because I'd gone ahead to Enugu, just said, post me to Enugu, and they were happy because, oh, that one, there's no struggle, <laughs> you know. Just, okay, go and report in, uh, the, in the station road um, branch in Enugu. So two weeks after I came here, she joined me. Now, what I'm, trying, what I'm trying to bring out is that we could have said no. We could have decided that no, it's sweeter in Lagos. Now it's closer to the Atlantic. In case we want to cross. Are you getting my point? That is, we could have said no. And these are the kind of things that throw, that throw good, good pimples over your body. Before, people say that, you know, if you say no, and you may I preach it sometimes like that, that God will find the replacement. But one day I was reading my scriptures and I found out that replacements are hard to find. The fact that he's God doesn't make him just create replacements recklessly. Each replacement has to be trained. Each replacement has to be tutored. Has to be willing. So if you think you can be replaced, you think the replacement too will not think he can be replaced? So will everybody be thinking he can be replaced until finally there's nobody left? So God will not say, I sought for a man. There was none. Really, there are times I think about such things. No, I'm not kidding about it. Literally, I just, you know, I shudder physically. No, the thing will just pass through your body like God. And then I get afraid again. So what are you afraid of? I say, where are the places we have disobeyed? So that for that reason, we have not done some things that we should have done. Then you start praying again. 
Say God, please. Eh? You know, say now, now small boy, the warriors are sorry time. Please, Biko, have mercy. Lead us in the path of righteousness for your own namesake. I want you to fear that fear. I want you to understand that it is possible that healthcare in Nigeria is not good and God says it's your fault. And you know, one day, he will actually tell you. You will stand in his presence and he will let you know whether you did right or you didn't do right. And I said, what did you do about healthcare in Nigeria? I said, no, Lord, healthcare in Nigeria was in Australia. So answer my question. What did you do about healthcare in Nigeria? Really? I mean, don't be ridiculous. I mean, I was in Australia. Send me, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> and if the Lord gives you one in the eye and the face, believe me, you know, you're, exactly. You're, your neck will bend for eternity. <laughs> Not a good sight. <laughs> no, really. He's going to ask some, some of us. Really. Everybody has to look. Believers, you have to learn to think with a purpose mindset. That one day, I will answer to God for what I did with my life concerning the assignment that he gave to me. He will not ask me the size of car I drove unless that car was crucial for carrying all the people to the assignment place. I hope you're getting my point. In which case, the comfort is not the issue. It is the size. So he so said, that was it a bus? Or he went and bought a Bentley? He said, Lord, we got there in style. <laughs> Four of you got there. You know, these luxury cars are not meant for many people. So why didn't you use that money to buy two? One Bentley. That's not 10 coaster buses. Is it not 10 coasters? Ah, one Bentley. Not 10 coasters with that. No? God would say, eh, you should have just bought 10 coasters. Do you get my point? What I'm going to say, have this mindset that one day you'll be asked to explain what you did with your life. And I'm teaching you today, fear. What did I say? Fear, 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 fear. Every time you want to make a decision, fear. You should. I thought we should open somewhere, right? Did we read it? We have not read it. Ah, what have we been doing since? John chapter what? Now, listen to this. This is one prayer I want us to pray. The Lord Jesus was speaking. He spoke at length here. So he got to 14, verse 30. He said, I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming. And he has nothing in me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. He said to them, get up, let us go from here. Now, please, let's go back to that um, James that we read last time. I want to bring out something, which is our prayer for today. Remember I was saying that one of the things that, one of the mistakes we made in the, when we started studying faith and all of that, is that we kept on, we threw away a lot of good things that people were praying about before. People used to talk about crucifying the flesh, putting the flesh under. We under, how do I say it? We remove those things from the mainstream. We made it look as if it's a matter of, you know, sin consciousness. As a believer, it shouldn't be sin conscious. What is flesh? The flesh has been crucified to the cross. You know, you don't think about that, you know? So when they say things like flesh must die, things that people like a watchman knee preach, preached, or somebody like Billy Akone preaches, Many of you know, those faith, faith you know, people, they kind of neglect those things because they say the flesh must die. So, no, the flesh, flesh being crucified on the cross, you know, so the flesh is no longer there. Uh, bros, it's there. It is there. And when they say it must die, say amen. Yes, I'm telling you, you have to join to say amen. And you wake up every morning and anywhere you see flesh growing in your body, bring hot iron, kill it. 
Wake up next morning. Your wife does something that helps your flesh come out again. Don't be angry with her. Be angry with what? The flesh. Your children will do something that will wake the flesh up. Say flesh. Now, that boy, what he did is bad, but what are you doing here yourself? So, you, you, you will discipline the little boy later, but we'll thank God that he helped us, you know, see that the flesh is still there. Then we kill it. We kill it. This is the reason why. James chapter 3. Uh, we are going to quickly get into it now and start praying. Now, let's just quickly read from verse 13. He said, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his good deeds, in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, please follow this. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. That is, you start explaining what you are doing instead of acknowledging that your problem is what? Jealousy and selfish ambition. Don't be giving explanations when the real thing that is going on in your heart is selfish ambition. Say, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly. That is the explanation you are giving. It's earthly, it's natural, it's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Let me just stop reading here so as to save time. Where these things exist, he said there is disorder and every evil thing. All kinds of things come out of it. Now, what I want to bring out from there is this. Is this flesh matter? That is just telling you what flesh is. Let me talk about flesh. There are people, let's get practical. There are people that can never do anything until you show them how it benefits them. That is the meaning of the word flesh. The opposite is called love. The fruit of the Spirit is first of all what? Love. What characterizes love is the ability to bless somebody without checking what am I going to get. Do you get my point here? That is what characterizes love. Flesh. Some will ne- never. You, and that is what, listen to me, that, that's one of the things that preachers capitalize on when they want to collect money from believers. Flesh. And that's why I don't preach like many preachers do when it comes to money matters. If I mean, you've seen me here many times. I'm, I have nothing against raising money. We did it here the other day. Some people say, when did you do that? We did, a few months ago. Didn't we? Yeah, we said we're raising money for, to support a mission project. And I told everybody, this is how we are going to go about it. I said, I'll take three announcements. If you remember, I didn't promise anybody anything. If I have to promise you something before you part with your money to preach the gospel in difficult areas, then I am ashamed to have been the one teaching you all this while. That means I've taught you nothing. So I said it openly. I'm taking this announcement three times. And I took the announcements three times. Everybody you want to give towards that, out, towards that mission project, this is how you will give. And I bless God for the people that responded. They were consistent. We got the money more than we even pledged. And for that reason, we're able to give much more than we pledged. And we're even able to give to other places we did not tell them we we're planning to give to them. And we're still giving from there. I hope you're getting my point. They have to promise anything to anybody because it is self flesh we are feeding. If every time I want to do something, I first tell you what you are going to get. I'm feeding your flesh. And listen to this I'm empowering Satan in your life. That's where I'm going. Satan thrives on where flesh is. That's what I'm trying to emphasize today. He thrives on where flesh is. What is flesh? It's things like this selfish ambition. What is flesh? 
the desire to satisfy myself and preserve myself. Listen to me. Jesus said something. The prince of this world is coming. He has nothing in me. There is nothing he can hold on to. Want to overcome the schemes of the devil? Remove what he can hold on to. That's what I'm teaching. Remove it. When we're talking about things like anger, jealousy, we just saw jealousy here. Those are the things that Satan holds on to. Those are the things that Satan will hold on to. Those are the things that he holds on to. If he doesn't have those things, he disappears. Men that who don't have to pray about him. He came into, he came into the house of um, um, Abraham, intending to cause disorder. Abraham looked and said, Lord, come here. Why should there be quail amongst us? After all, we are brethren. He took the back you know, position and said, Lord, you choose anywhere. These are the things we use prayer to do. It's not easy for your nephew, not your brother. Your nephew, much younger than you, to be given the right to choose first. And whatever is left over, you will collect. But except you are willing to do it, Satan will stay there in that house. Rebuke him from now till tomorrow. He's staying there watching you. Tell you are my friend. Why are you rebuking me? What happens is a matter of fact. So what are we supposed to do? Time to remove that demon out of your life. It's not Satan I resist you. He said, Lord, the power to allow Lord choose first. He said, Lord, let's continue the discussion tomorrow. You go down to your room and go and lie down. Father, ah, ahead of the first Abraham. The way he did it. <laughs> I can't do that all. <laughs> Let, let's not lie. I don't have the ability. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I want Lot to make the first choice, and I will relax. But I can't do it, so I need your strength. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We stay down there and pray. Next morning, you don't even want the first choice. God has worked in your life. Say, Lord, come. Like we are saying yesterday, I don't want this quiet to continue. So what's going to happen? All right, you, choose. Whatever you take, I will head in the other direction. Anyone you choose, I let you have it. You know, Satan, you know the way they do Satan in some movies? It starts dissolving. It starts dissolving. It starts dissolving. That's what happens to him. It starts filtering away. It starts breaking to pieces. You have removed his ability to stay in that house. Many of the things we are fighting for is flesh we are feeding. We are feeding our flesh purely. And that is when Satan, Satan has strength. Listen to me. Once flesh is prominent in our lives, Satan will have strength. Don't, don't, you see, many people are rebuking, rebuking Satan. Satan say, I'm not going anywhere. As long as his pride is there, you are my friend. We work together. Once there's contention, that's what I keep on saying. Especially when you are young. Get used to being disgraced. Are you getting my point? So you have nothing to be proud of. There was something this woman used to say. Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman said, do you know one of the reasons why God could use me the way he did? He said, because I was nothing. He said, I had nothing. I was just nothing. So I was available for him to use. And if you know the story of Catherine Kuhlman, she became nothing through a long story. Let me not tell the story in details now. But she was taught to nothing. How? Simply, she admired the wrong man, which then American churches had a lot of sense. And I hope they are getting the sense back now. You don't just wake up in the morning, divorce your wife and pick another woman next day, saying that you and your wife, they quarrel. What is the big deal? She never shoot you yet. When she fires the first shot at your leg, we will know that you are quarreling. What is the normal quarrel? My husband, which husband, wife? You, you married the other day. You never, you never quarreled now. Yes, God bless you for quarreling. 
it's not a big deal. It, no, it's not a big deal. Yeah, there are those who say they've never quarreled. Fine, but it's not a big deal. The man walked out of his wife and married Catherine Coleman. Ha! The church in America said no. They closed every door against her. She was a preacher. They had the church, his church scattered. His own church scattered. He was a pastor too. Everything scattered. In fact, if you read her story in Daughter of Destiny, the day of the wedding, she actually ran. Like they say, liver failed her. Her boldness disappeared. So you know what she did? She turned back, but there was nobody. I don't know whether I get the point. At that time, all her friends had gone. She had nowhere else to go. She finally returned to the man because there was nobody else. It was too late by that time. Seeking for repentance, couldn't find any. Six years she lived with him. And every day, the Lord was watching her say, You, I will deal with you. She said, she confessed that, look, let me admit it. There was a time I loved him more than I loved God. But one day, you know, the Holy Spirit didn't leave her alone. One day, the frustrations of life got to her. She just looked at her life wasn't going anywhere. She packed her bag and told the man, I'm sorry, I'm leaving. She walked out and never saw him again. They never spoke again. The only time they communicated again was one particular Christmas. She got a card from him with his signature. She did not reply. She didn't call him. They didn't talk again. By the time she came out of that horrible mistake, she didn't have friends. She didn't have money. She, didn't, she took a train not even knowing where she was going. That was when the Lord now said, Good, now you are ready. The Lord now baptized her with a, an unusual healing anointing that we are still talking about it today. Why? She said, I was nothing. She had nothing to be proud of. And you know what happened? <laughs> the Lord covered the story. Nobody heard about it. She said there was a day she was in her, her motel room where she came to minister. Then she got a knock on the door. She opened the door and it was a local postman. That was when, this called the guy Mr. That was when Mr. filed for divorce. So said, when the male came to their post office, he knew she was there. The man said normally they publish it. But something in him just said, no, this wouldn't be good. So he tracked her down and knocked on her door. And say, you have a note, a, 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 like a, a letter from the courts. That normally we publish this, but I don't think you would like that to be done. Say, so she never forgot that man for life. The Lord covered the story. By the time people were hearing the story later, it was too late. It didn't matter anymore. I mean, by the time oh, that number of people had been healed, tell your story, that's your problem. Who wants to hear it anyway? <laughs> <laughs> what am I saying? Flesh was killed. She had nothing left, nothing to live for apart from the Lord. That was when he was able to use her. I hope you're getting my point. You can't raise, you know, sometimes people tell me they heard God. I say, you don't understand. You can't hear God clearly. As long as something is still inside you, that's flesh manifesting. You can't hear God clearly. Let me say this, please, quickly, so I can end this message. We'll start praying. Listen to this. I meditated about it and I came to this simple conclusion. Because I've seen people imbibe the word, imbibe the word, imbibe the word. They imbibe the word so much. But when it comes to making critical decisions, you are shocked. You are shocked at what they do. You are shocked at what they say. You are shocked at their... Ah! I don't begin to think, what is going on here? What is going on? This was the understanding I had. I've shared it with you. First, God said, let there be light. And there was what? Light. 
Plenty of light. Let the word come. So they received the word. Plenty of the word. Then you know what God did next? He came down and separated the light from the darkness. Go and read your Bible. Darkness was there. People often imbibe light without removing the darkness. Read your scriptures. Then the Lord separated the light from the darkness. We used to say, once light appears, darkness vanishes. God doesn't think so. God says, when light appears, darkness hides. Then you have a duty to separate the light from the darkness. And when Jesus will talk about that later, he said, it's the thorns inside the heart. So that when the word wants to produce, it also rises up and chokes the word. So you think the word should produce, but the thorns that are inside there also rose up and chokes the word. I know how the thorns thrive. What they grow on is flesh. What is flesh? Selfish ambition. Me too, I must make it in life. If you don't have the house by the time you are 40, you are not a man. All kinds of stories. Are you getting my point? Listen to me. Until flesh is dead, Satan thrives. I said the other time, when Jesus saved you, it's not a negotiation. Serve me and I will heal you. Serve me and I will make your dreams come true. You know, we preach that kind of message. God will make your dreams come true. I came to give you the word of the Lord. God, God removes your dreams entirely. He doesn't make your dreams come true. He says, stop dreaming, my friend. Wake up. Wake up to the assignment I have for your life. Wake up to what I want to use you for. Not here to make your dreams come true. Go and read your Bible well. People like Abraham, that God made whatever it is come true, it was not their dream. It was the vision he gave to them. Abraham was sitting down and Jesus said, come, I will take you to a land that I will show you. Abraham began to walk, looking for the land that he promised. It was not his idea. When it was time to have Isaac, he didn't ask for Isaac. He said, what do you give me, seeing that I go childless? It was God said, Who's, who talked about going childless? No, me? Who talked about childless? No. Now listen to me. Your wife, he said, whose wife? Me? My wife? Isaac was God's idea. Isaac was not Abraham's idea. One of the things we need to do is say, God, this is what I'm asking you for. Let's even throw it away for a moment. Before he said, God, are you? he said, God, wait, 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 wait. Before he said, the Lord, wait. If it's not your idea, this is my first prayer. Kill it. Kill it. You spend the first week praying. Say, before, you have been believing God for land here. You have been believing God for this promotion. I've been believing God for a job in this company. Next one week, say, Lord, wait, 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 wait. What have I been looking for in that company, sir? Lord, this week, in the name of Jesus, I walk in your plan. The things you have ordained for me. You know, I began to teach on Saturday that God is the lifter. Say, Lord, you are the lifter. There is a place you have prepared for me. That's where I'm going. My own dreams, my own ideas, I let it go. I'm not competing with anybody. I am not competing. Flesh die. Rest your feet. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's rest your feet. That's what flesh is. We kill it. We kill it. We kill it. Say flesh die. That's how it is. That my own ambition is a nevertheless not my will, but yours be done. As long as flesh is in your life, Satan will thrive there. As long as flesh is in your life, Satan will thrive. What is flesh? Me too. I want, you know, ministers happens to them. My friends, their churches are big. What's happening to me? It is flesh. As long as it is dead, they will tell lies. They will lie with the word of God. They will. They will live where God kept them and they will go somewhere else. Once it is, ah, me too, I want to, ah, it is called flesh. I wanted to pray today in summary that flesh, every bit of flesh in you will die. 
I like the way people like Billy Aconi preaches it. I like the way Rochmani used to preach it. And I want you to make it your prayer today that every flesh in me, Lord, today it dies. So that Satan will have nowhere to thrive. That's the aim. Say every selfish ambition, every anger, every walk of the flesh, it dies. It dies. It dies. The love of money dies. The love of money dies. It dies today in the name of Jesus. Desire, the, the competitive spirit, it dies. It dies today in the name of Jesus. I let it go. Say, Lord, search me and know my heart. Ah. Oh, if there's any hurtful thing, Lord, reveal it to me so that I can confess it and walk away from it today. The other day, I had a beautiful desire. Something I'm still desiring, really, because I believe it's the will of God. But God showed something to me. The flesh part of it. Right there, I was in Sokoto during service. I just bowed my eyes and said, Lord, I am sorry. I am sorry. A good thing the Lord was going to do, there was a flesh desire attached to it. If I tell you what that flesh is, you would think it's a good thing. No? It sounded good. But that day, as the word of God was coming forth, I just said, yeah, Banky, this is flesh. This is flesh. This is flesh. Say, Lord, flesh dies. Desire to get glory out of this life for myself, it dies. Lord, I want to waste my life for you. I want to live my life for you. Let it be that I poured my alabaster box of oil, of ointment, I poured it on Jesus Christ. That is all I'm asking for. That is all I'm asking for. Flesh dies. Flesh dies. The person with the dead flesh is only seeking to fulfill the will of the Father. The person in whose life flesh is dead just wants to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, to bear fruit in every good work. That's all. So just that's all the fellow is looking for, not for his own ambition. I'm not following God for prosperity. I'm following Him so that I can know Him and so that I can fulfill His will for my life and so that I can become exactly what the Lord Jesus is, an exact image of Jesus Christ. Pray, say, Lord flesh dies in my life today. Reveal yourself to me so that I can know you. Reveal myself to me so I can remove through confession of sin and imbibing the word of God that which is wrong in my life. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Try me, O Lord. Reveal to me my anxious thoughts. Oh, people are hearing God. They are hearing God. Meanwhile, it's their anxious thoughts talking to them. Many times they don't know. They don't know. As, I, as, I, as I, I, my spirit said I should marry him, it's because he's rich. He will take care of your family. Anxious thoughts. So the Lord said to me that I should leave here and go to another country. It is flesh. Anxious thoughts. Sometimes God lets me say, says to people, arise, go to another place. But first thing, you must kill flesh. What is flesh? Desire for earthly security. Say, Lord, I kill flesh today. Say, Lord, I kill it by the power of the Spirit. Say, let your word come in and cut it away. Let your word come in and cut it away. Holy Spirit, walk in me. Pray like your life depends on it. Remember, there are two things. We don't want to offend God, the judge. We don't want him to be angry with us. It's a valid fear. It doesn't mean we, we, don't, we don't love the Father or the Father does not love us. But it's a valid fear. The secondly, you have been chosen for a purpose. You have been chosen to inject a particular spirit into the environment. Fear. 
so that it will not be frustrated by your works. Fear, so that it will not be frustrated by your disobedience. So pray, say, Lord, the thing that you have prepared from generations, Lord, let me not frustrate it. Very important prayer. Oh, that's what prayer is for. That's what believers, that's what we pray about. I want you to know God will lift you in his due season. He, 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 thinks more, he thinks more about you than you can ever think about yourself. But he said, in you, flesh must die. In you, selfish ambition, it must die. Some people will give up, you know, big degrees they were looking for today. They will give it up. Their desires you had at the end of the day is gone because it's all flesh. It's all flesh. It's competition. It's selfish ambition. It's jealousy. It's desire for self-preservation. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? That's it. It's flesh. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand something again. Christianity is not just a trick. No, we use faith to get things. One of the things we do with faith is also to give things up. That's one major thing. In fact, you need the power to lay it down before you can have the power to take it up again. It's very important you understand that. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I give it up by myself. I have the power to lay it down. And I have the power to take it up again. The ability to lay down comes before that ability to take it up. Many of us are not willing to lay things down. We are using faith to service our flesh. We are using faith to service our ambition. We are claiming things by faith that we can't give up. I hope you're getting my point. They claim by faith, they're never giving by faith. And they say they are walking by faith. No, that's not what you walk in faith. What is a walk in faith? You need, you, you are believing God for 100,000 naira. Why? Because you want to participate in one good work going on somewhere. You are the only one that knows that his prayer you are praying. No? You just pray, Father, help me in the name of Jesus. How will it be? Ah, they are, they are reaching, reaching those corners of the gospel. I have never participated. <laughs> he said, say, no, no, Lord, no, Lord, help me. You are killing flesh by that. Faith is not, look, listen, let me say to us again. God is looking for people through whom he will inject the right spirit into the environment. Probably a lot of times that Christians are too busy borrowing from the world. They want to be like the world. You give them political office, they want to also use it to get influence for themselves, you know, something for themselves, and, you know, they will look for, you know, the Bible says that if they were considering the place from which they came, they will have found opportunities to return. When your mind is set on something, you will find the righteous way to do that which is wrong. <laughs> I don't know that it's righteous. It will appear, you've told your flesh, relax, but you are still servicing flesh. That's why I said, Christians, let me tell you what God is asking for. Take about politics as an example. God is looking for people, young men and women. They are not near political office yet, though. But they're already making up their mind with prayer and with determination. Taking the word of God that if I ever entered political office, it's a call to poverty. Do you hear what I said? There is a call to poverty. That is, if I'm not rich before I get there, too bad. I'm not going to be rich again. At least, not until that career of politics is over. 
that there will, there will even be things that are legitimately, legitimately mine. I still will not collect. Is it why? Is it, let me tell you something. There's what the Bible calls surpassing righteousness. Are you getting my point? That is, there are times you are not, you're not a sinner. Yet you go to John the Baptist to be baptized. Like Jesus Christ. He was not a sinner. John, the, John said, what? Baptism? I should come for your own baptismal service. Now, what am I going to explain? You look at your life, just know that God is using your life to make a statement. So you do things that are not even normally necessary. So that that statement is not in any way, you know, colored wrongly. Let me give you an example. Abraham went to war. By the law of conquest of that time, that was the law of their society. Everything they got from that battle belonged to him. True of us? So the king of Sodom came and said, well, you can take everything. Why don't I just take the people back? <laughs> the king of Sodom was shocked. Abraham said, "Ah, he said, listen, God told me he will bless me. He will make me very rich. When he will have done that, you will be telling stories that most of the things he got came from my goods that he collected in war. So Abraham said to him, for that reason, because I don't want you to have the mouth to say it, take everything, apart from the things that my other men took, and the portion of which I had given to Melchizedek. So Abraham went to battle, took a great risk with his life and his resources, and went back home gaining nothing. He went back home personally gaining nothing. There are times you will leave your business, you will leave your career, you will serve your local government as chairman for four years, six years, eight years, then you return back to the same house where you were paying rent. The desire of God is for everybody to say, this guy is crazy. That's God's desire. So even though a lot of things could be legitimately yours, as it's coming, you are saying no. There are times they bring gifts, like we said the other time, it cannot be rejected. Ah, there's no problem. Bring it to the office. As I bring it, we say, hey, thank you, thank you. Our chief has come with gifts. Everybody in the office will come out. Chief will be surprised. And while he's watching, everybody in the office will share it. And he thank him very much. He realizes that this guy ain't collecting anybody from, anything from anybody. By the time you are done, you leave there, shake your hands, free. Of course, they are paying your salary all the way, which is written in black and white, transferred to your account. There's no quarrel over that. And you go back. You know, government official salary is not much. You know, it's not plenty. Yeah. So the security, okay, they call it votes, you know, things like that. <laughs> All those kind of things. So when that one, they give security vote, you vote it to security 100%. And everybody will see it. You're not doing it for showmanship. You are doing it to, to fulfill the will of the Father. Nobody's saying it's easy. Then you are leaving. Nothing. God will say, okay, they say officially, you can take away the official car and pay some money for it. Say, I hereby instruct you, donate the car back to them. Go back, clean that your old Toyota Camry. Clean it and start again. Let them wonder. Listen, you know, Christians are God's people on assignment. Let us be thankful that God has not asked me to do much. I'm telling you, some people, they just say, when I was coming to Enugu, <laughs> you don't know what I'm thinking in my mind. Me, I'm heading to Enugu. My friend particularly went, headed for Sokoto. It's the same God sent us. Which one is better? Enugu or Sokoto? <laughs> Naturally speaking. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't even be like, I made a sacrifice for God. I'm saying, Lord, thank you. 
He said, my brother, you didn't send me to Medjugorje. I give you praise in Jesus' name. I'm telling you the truth. There are things I just say. Look, you know I'm saying all of these things. What have I said? Go to go and read your Bible. Prophets, God will tell you, walk naked. What? I said, naked. Lord, are you, you are waiting for, you know, that kind of, you are waiting for, don't put your hand on that son. Because I wanted to know that you really fear me. God said, come on, remove the trousers. You have fear, come. <laughs> Not for two days. Go, read your Bible. You see prophets. God came to Ezekiel. Say, Ezekiel, say, yes, sir. Today your wife will die. You can't cry. The dying is bad enough. And I can't cry on top of it. There's a proverb that says you can't beat a child. At the same time, tell the child not to cry. You know that kind of thing. Then God collected another prophet. Was that Hosea? He said, go to the road. See where those girls hang out at night. Marry one of them. With all these fine, fine babes in church, God. God said, no. Go down at night. Hang around a place where the bad girls are hanging around. I wanted to chase one of them. Treat her nice so that she will marry you. Did you give her life to Christ? He said, no. Sir, get behind me, sister. If you come, sister, and again, I enjoy you. I said, go down and go and marry somebody. I know what God said to him. Love her. And as he's loving her, she will sneak out and follow other men. Because they pursue her, bring her back home. Ah, God. I told you last time, here I am, send him. Why are you sending me? <laughs> Those are things that prophets have done for God. Are you getting my point? So they have, he has not asked us to do anything. Just don't take bribe. And we think it's a sacrifice. You have your wife, she's not dying on you. He's going to allow two of you to live to be old. She's not sneaking out of her house to go and marry somebody. Then you go and chase her and bring her back. She's not having children. You are doubting the paternity. I hope you're getting my point. All they just say is don't take bribe. Or if they, if they dash you something, give it back. He's not even saying leave any... Nothing spectacularly poor. I just want for you for political office to be normal civil service. Just come back home hungry like a normal civil servant. I know what the Lord is saying. Without enough for people like that, all those of you who are praying, I will keep on keeping your prayers. Maybe in, ten, in the tenth generation after you, your country will see change. Let's tell God again. Say, Lord, any flesh in me that will not allow the spirit you want to pour into this earth through me to come, kill it by yourself. Any love for material things that will not allow me let you manifest in my life, Lord, here I am. I yield myself to you again today. Remove it. Say, test me, O Lord, and know my heart. There is a healing anointing coming to this generation. God said, I just need people to carry it. I need those that will hate. I, I need preachers that will hate the very idea of using the word to, raise, to collect money. So that into their lives, through their hands, I can manifest kind of healing and money this country has never seen. And this, this whole continent. An anointing that will make the kind of things that happen in South Africa, under G Lake and could make them look like child's play, rehearsal. But I need people in whose life flesh has been removed. Say, Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Lord, if there's any hurtful thing in me, remove it today. Lead me in the everlasting way.
Say, Lord, lead me in the everlasting way. I yield myself to the everlasting way. Father, we give you praise. Just give the Lord thanks. Let's close. Let's say, Father, we thank you. Let's say, Lord, we thank you. For your goodness, Lord, we thank you. For counting us worthy, we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody declare after me, say in the name of Jesus. In the, name of Jesus. The, Spirit of God the Spirit of God is living in me. And is overcoming the flesh. The flesh has no part in me. The flesh has no part in me. I speak concerning the works of the flesh. They are dead. In my life, they are dead. Every work of the flesh is dead. Every work of the flesh is dead. In the name of Jesus Christ. Say selfish ambition. Die. die. Anger. Anger. Die. die. Jealousy. Jealousy. Die. die. Fear. Fear. Die. die. Fear of tomorrow. Die. Fear of death. Die. In the name of Jesus. Say, my heart is purified by the Spirit of Christ in my spirit. My heart is purified by the Spirit of Christ that I have. Say, my heart is purified. Because I am born of God. Say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will, Father. Say it again, not my will, in every aspect, not my will, in my career, not my will, concerning my future, not my will, concerning my plans, not my will, but yours, your will, be done in my life. Say it again, your will. Be done, be done in my life. In my life. Say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly let your will be done, will be done in, my in my life, in everything that concerns me. Perfect everything that concerns me according to your will. Let your name be glorified. Let your name alone be glorified. Say, Lord, let your name alone be glorified. Let your praise be seen in my life. Let me just share this scripture with you. My wife and I were my wife asked me something this morning. She was just talking about things that were things that were going on in her heart. As she was talking, I was getting ready to go out. I just said, "Open your Bible to Ezekiel, Exodus chapter thirty-three." Everybody, open quickly. I just want to read that one out to us. Exodus thirty-three, beautiful scripture. Moses was praying here. There's something I've been saying, and that's the fact that God is the only one that lifts people up. And that we believers should expect the miraculous, that is the spiritual, the unusual as a, an everyday part of our lives. That we will have visions and revelations. It will characterize what I do. It will characterize what you do. You will, that is, you will know things supernaturally. God will lead you into things you didn't even plan for through supernatural means. So my wife was just discussing with me this morning. I just told her, open your Bible to the book of Exodus. We're now located at chapter 3. Look at what Moses said to the Lord. Verse 12, he said, See, you say to me, bring up these people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. He said, Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. He said, Now therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, 
and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us off from here. Now notice verse 16. He said, for how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? I want you to notice that word, distinguished. You know what God is looking for? You know what God wants to do? He wants to distinguish his people. I hope you are getting what I'm saying. Listen, there are two things. One, in your ways you will be distinguished. And then listen to this. The manifestation of God will come into your life in such a manner that people will know that it's not you. You are using something. They will know you are using something. Listen to me. Somebody here, people actually call you, they'll call you, say this man, you are using something. You, oh, go, go and read the book again. The happiest people on earth. Demoshakara, you know, white man doesn't understand much of using something. They thought he was using unknown advisors, so they called him to the side. I said, who is advising you? That you are making choices that are too, are, I mean, they are too much. That is, it has to be somebody who knows so much is telling you something. So initially they said to them, no, nobody will. Then they remember that, oh, yes, God Whose spirit comes upon me? Because what used to happen there to make choices? He wants to buy a cow. He wants to buy a bull. Suddenly, in a whole row of 10, 20, 50, 100, one will just start glowing. Only he will see the glow and he will buy. He said that God knows everything. That, used, that became a way by which he shared the gospel with people. Listen to me. You will not succeed with your own labor. Amen. It, it will be by the grace of God. This is my prayer as we close. God will distinguish you. Amen. God will distinguish himself in your life. Amen. People will know you are using something. Amen. Yes, they will know there is somebody working with you. Your life is not average. Amen. That's where God is going for. That's where he's going for. So don't be afraid to lose out amongst the negotiations of man. Occasionally look so foolish that when you get home, your wife will think you are foolish. But like I always tell my wife, I say learn to trust. Just trust. Ah, it's one of the greatest challenges of a wife to trust that your husband is anointed. <laughs> because sometimes in working with God, we will come home having done foolish things. There was one I did recently. My wife was just wondering, <laughs> why, why are you agreeing for this man? I said, sweetheart, the money is costing me. It's cheaper than the trouble it will cost me to argue with him. <laughs> the mouse, I said, how much is it? Chukujigo, how much will it cost? I said, go and do it. My wife was like, ah! I said, baby, that is cheaper for me than arguing. <laughs> I just, I, I'm serious. So after some time, I explained to her. I said, baby, now nah, the whole thing is over. Which one would you prefer? Then that the man remembers, he said that that guy was a good man. Or that I, sh- I told him the truth and gave me a piece of my mind. I don't know where I get my point. A good name is worth more than 50K. <laughs> Listen, what I'm going to say, for God to distinguish himself in your life, you will make some foolish decisions as far as human beings are concerned. You will do like Abraham. You and your cousin that's younger than you will be arguing about something. You say he can take it. I know what they're talking about village land. People will look at you. Your father will be turning in his grave right now. Say, I'll better keep turning because this is how I'm going to live my life. <laughs> They'll be wondering. Hey, hey. Say, look, I don't have time. Village land, I'll be quarreling with, you know, over village land. 
Well, let me not give it. One of our brothers here, they had village land quarry, had an uncle. Troublemaker. You know, some people, they were born, the day they gave birth to them, they beat their mother. This guy made trouble. At the end of the day, he asked me for advice. He said, Look, don't worry. Is it not money? People should give him money. Let him carry it for how long? He collected the money. I said, Some people are very foolish. There are monies you don't collect. When people give you money because they don't want trouble. After collecting the money, you know what happened next time? He wanted to light or put fuel inside something. Boom! Explosion. He got burnt. The money he collected, he has finished spending it. The same people he defrauded were not the ones supposed to contribute money to trick of him. When would the guy say, Give them the money? He said, Pastor, what that man did? I said, Give him the money. They got that money again to go and pay his hospital bill. As they were approaching, he died. I said, You killed somebody. <laughs> as they were approaching, as soon as they turned to the street where the hospital was, the man gave up the ghost. I said, Look, leave God. Are you getting my point? Leave him. He knows how to fight. He knows how to fight. At times you do some foolish things, it is because God wants to distinguish himself in your life. Give the Lord and say, Father, I thank you. Because you are distinguishing me amongst people. You are showing that you are with me. You are showing that you are with me. And Lord, help me. Because prayer, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from doing the evil so that you will not be able to do it. No, 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 Lord. Leave, leave, deliver me. Let me not hinder your hand in my life. Let me not hinder your hand in my life. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's share the grace in fellowship. Remember, we belong to the highest of the cults. If you are in the highest of the cults, give me an amen. Amen. What's the name of that cult? Christ. Christ. Thank you very much. We are in the cult of called Christ. The cult of Christ is also called Christ. And every cult has its own incantations. He has his own abominations, the A-wars, the taboos. There are things we don't do, and that is sin. We don't lie with our mouth. We don't get involved in sexual immorality. We don't cheat people. We don't take the name of the Lord our God for a vain thing. We don't put our hope in human beings. We put our hope only in God. And we have our incantations. And this is one of them we take. Are we ready? Now let's share the grace together. I want to let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death. We have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessings. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now bless somebody around you, three people. This is your season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus. Another person, please. This is your season of multiplication. One last person. One for yourself. This is my season. 